You're listening to a Thorn Creek Weekend Message Podcast. For more audio content and other resources, visit thorncreek.church messages. Um, hope you've had a good week. You know, this week I, I went to uh, the grocery store. Nowadays, this tells you like the day and age we live in, going to the grocery store is like a major adventure because you don't go out and now it's like oh you're going to the grocery store suit up because you're gonna you gotta put gloves on and you gotta put a mask on and and you're gonna go to you know the ground zero here and you're gonna mix with people and there's gonna be other people there and, and it's like you know at the house you're going to the grocery store you're going to the grocery store you're gonna go oh my, you gotta get this and you gotta get this and you gotta get toilet paper whatever it is and uh, I thought about all that I thought about everything you do to get ready to go to the grocery store in my in in my car, inside of the middle seat, there is a little, you know, thing that I open up. But I have a mask in there now, and I, I, I'm not one that probably I should wear a mask more often, but I don't always wear it. So, but it's there now, just in case the store requires you to wear a mask. So this idea of getting ready has become a new thing in our culture. In fact, we wash our hands probably more frequently than we ever have before. And, and we're constantly on the alert of those germs or whatever it is, and, and the, it's out there and we're getting ready. But are you ready for the life God has for you? Are you ready for the life God has for you? Do you know what life God has for you? Are you ready for it? So today we're talking about the title of today's message is The Promise. And I love that title because it reflects the character of God. Um, and, and I want to start with Acts chapter 1. We're in this series called Life After the Tomb, and, and today's the promise, and next week we're talking about Pentecost, and that'll be the end of that, the series. But Acts chapter 1, beginning verse 1, it says this, In my former book, Theophilus, and this is Luke, as in, as in the Apostle Luke is writing this to Theophilus. We don't know a whole lot about Theophilus other than he's a lover of God. We know that. Um, in, in my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days. Say 40 with me. Why don't you type in 40 over here in the chat room? Just type in 40. Over 40 days. And he spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. So <clears throat> Jesus tells them, I want you to wait right here. And in fact, earlier in the Gospel of Luke, he, he, he tells the disciples after he rose from the grave, he meets with them and he tells them, I want you to wait for me in Jerusalem. And here again in Acts chapter 1, this, the command is do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you've heard me speak about. How do you feel about promises? You know, some of you, maybe you grew up in a home 
where there were not a lot of promises or maybe there were some broken promises. You know, it's never cool when someone says they'll do something and they don't do it. Just a reminder, whatever you say you're going to do, do it. And, uh, but our culture as a whole, we really avoid promises. We live in a culture that avoids it. And, you know, people don't like to give their word. And in fact, we live in a culture where it's almost like a game where you will sidestep and say, I didn't say that. I didn't say that. No, I didn't mean that. I didn't say that. And that's our culture. We do not live in a culture that says, I said I would do this and I'll do it. There's very few people who live like that. And nowadays, it's even reflected in contracts. You've got to read the fine print because you know there might be something in that fine print that is an out or that, that doesn't, doesn't work in your favor. So that's our culture we live in. But I want you to hear this because many times in our world, we look at, we look at people and we look at others and we think, oh, that's how God is. But I want you to hear this. God is good on his promises. God is good on his promises. Just type out amen right now in the chat. In the chat there. God is good on his promises. In fact, in scripture, it has been said there's 5,467 divine promises of God. There's promises of his faithfulness. There's promises of his love. There's promises of his Holy Spirit. 5,467. So I want you to hear this. Don't give up. Jesus told the disciples to go and wait. To go and wait. Sometimes we have to wait for the promise of God. And, and waiting is not wasting. Waiting is not wasting. Sometimes we think while we wait, we're wasting time. But waiting is not wasting. God is building you up while you wait. And he tells the disciples here, I want you to wait. And here's the promise. Verse 5, here it is. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. You will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Isn't that great news? Isn't that great news? You get the feeling here that Jesus is so excited about this, but you have to understand something. The promise of the Holy Spirit has been talked about all throughout the Old Testament. In fact, in the book of Joel, chapter 2, verse 28, it says this, It will come about after this, that I will pour out my Spirit on all mankind, and your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on the male and female servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. So Joel said this about 835 years before Christ was born. It's an 835-year-old promise. And God is good with his promises. 
And Joel says, here's what's going to happen. The Spirit is going to be poured out, and it's going to be poured out on your sons and daughters and old men and young men and male and female servants. It's going to be poured out. So this tells us right here, this is the desire of God's heart. God wants to pour His Spirit on you. He wants to pour His Spirit on old men. He wants to pour His Spirit in children. He wants to pour His Spirit to those who have doctorate degrees, and He wants to pour His Spirit on those who are high school dropouts. He wants to pour His Spirit on that person who has a corner office, and He wants to pour His Spirit on that person who's stocking shelves in the middle of the night. He wants to pour His Spirit on that person who drives a Lambo and that person who rides a scooter. That's the heart of God. He wants to pour his spirit on that person who eats in high-end restaurants for lunch and also that person who sits under a tree for lunch. That is the heart of God. Doesn't matter your race. Doesn't matter how much you make. Doesn't matter what your zip code is. Doesn't matter what subdivision you live in. He wants to pour his spirit on all of humanity. That's the heart of God. He wants everyone to know his very presence. That's the promise. That's the promise. The promise is for you. Have you ever tried to change the subject with God? You ever done that? Like God wants to talk to you about that money issue in your life. <laughs> and you just change the subject. God wants to talk to you about that relationship you're in that's not God-honoring. And you just want to change the subject. God wants to talk to you about that character issue, that lust that's inside of you, that desire inside of you, that temper, that hot, that hot temper. God wants to talk to you about that, and you just want to change the subject. God wants to talk to you about that control issue that you have, and you just want to change the subject. God wants to talk to you about that tongue that you have, that you use to cut other people down, and you just want to change the subject. God wants to talk to you about that enemy that you don't love, and you just want to change the subject. Have you ever just wanted to change the subject and said, God, don't look at this. I want you to look over here. I want your blessing over here, God. But don't talk to me about my sex life. Don't talk to me about that character issue. Don't talk to me about what I worship over here. I want, to, I want you, God, to look over here. Look over here, God. I don't want you to see that. Have you ever tried to change the subject with God? A mark of spiritual maturity is you don't change the subject. <laughs> That's a mark of spiritual maturity. A mark of spiritual maturity is, God, I will look at whatever you look at. <laughs> so you have to understand something. God is always most concerned with the thing that has the greatest, greatest growth or potential or challenge in your life. God is most concerned about that thing that will help you go to that next level in your walk with God. His, his eyes are always there. That thing that's keeping you from going to that next level with God. That's what God is looking at. Verse 6, the disciples, you know, they, they wanted to change the subject. <laughs> they, didn't want, they didn't hear about the promise. They want to talk about politics. They don't want to talk about the promise. They want to talk about politics. So verse 6 is this. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? You know, this is the time right now when, when the apostles are under the hand of Rome. And there's still, even at this point, Jesus walking around for 40 days. They're waiting in Jerusalem. They're waiting for the promise. They don't understand fully what the promise is or who the promise is. All they're thinking about is the here and now. 
And they say, you know what, Jesus, is now the time? Is, is this now the time? Is Israel going to rise up and are we going to defeat Rome? It just reminds me, we are so me-centered. It's our natural flesh. It's our natural tendency to think about ourselves and to think about our life and our livelihood, our convenience and our comfort. The disciples were hung up on something. <laughs> See, you can be hung up on your thing instead of God's thing. You could be hung up on what someone said to you instead of hearing what God wants to say to you. You could be hung up on a situation that seems unfair. You could be hung up about worrying. You could be hung up about fear. You could be hung up about your timeline. You could be hung up about that job. You could be hung up about that situation or that unknown. You could be hung up on that circumstance and miss out on what God is trying to tell you. The disciples were hung up on this idea that is now the time Israel will rise up and Rome will be defeated. And Jesus is trying to tell them there is a new thing coming. Don't you see what's happening? And they're missing it. See, God wants to prepare you for tomorrow's battle. The disciples didn't understand how important the promise was to them. You get the impression I've said this before in church, and we've been together, I've talked about this. You get the impression that Jesus is the one who's most excited about the promise. Jesus is the one who's most excited about the gift. You get the impression, they don't understand, this is like an 835-year-old promise, plus 835 years old. They don't understand that. They cannot see what Jesus is seeing. Verse 7 says, he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by, by, by his own authority. Now, now he's talking about the future. In other words, he's saying something will happen in the future. You don't need to know the timeline. You don't need to know the exact date. And he goes from, the, from talking about the future to the present. And verse 8, here it is. Here's the mic drop verse right here. But you will receive power. Just say power. Type in power right here. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. This verse right here, Acts 1.8, unlocks Christianity in the New Testament. It unlocks the local church. Acts 1.8 is the door that swings open that unlocks the gates of Christian history. Acts 1.8. And it's so good. The disciples are concerned about the timeline of when is Rome going to be out of our lives. And Jesus is saying, you don't understand. The best gift of all is about to come. You will be filled with the Holy Spirit. Spirit. They don't know how bad they need the Holy Spirit. They have no idea how bad they need the Holy Spirit. And it's so good. The disciples are concerned about the future, and Jesus is talking to them about the present. I want you to know what this means. Scripture says, Jesus said, you will receive power. Power. That word 
power in its original Greek language, which is dunamis, says this. It means intrinsic power, force, or ability. Intrinsic power. In, intrinsic force. It's supernatural power. It's, it's a strength that you don't have but God has. See, the implication of this verse right here says you do not have the power you need to do life in this world on your own. You do not have the power you need to overcome that battle, to overcome that temptation, to overcome whatever it is you're facing. You do not have that power. And that's why Jesus is saying, you're about to get power. This is so good. You're about to get power, and you're going to experience it because your power is not enough. You're not strong enough. Your willpower is not enough. It's not strong enough. You need supernatural power. See, there will be battles in your life that will require the strength of God. There will be battles in your life that will require the strength of God. And God wants to prepare you for that. Isn't that so good of God? Before, before you're sent off, you see the heart of God. God looks at the disciples and says, Look, you don't understand the persecution you're going to face. You don't understand the supernatural challenges you're going to face. You don't understand your faith is going to be tested. You don't understand all the things that you're going to experience in the slander and the hurt and the pain. And he said, what you need is you need the Holy Spirit before you're launched out into this world. God's all about making sure you're equipped before you go. That's what, he, that's what he's doing. There will be battles in your life that will require strength from God. Here's our challenge. When we attempt supernatural battles and we use our own flesh to fight them. We use our own strength for supernatural battles. That's the problem some of you have. See, in Ephesians chapter 6, Paul the Apostle reminds us that we don't, we don't battle with flesh and blood. It's with powers and spiritual principalities. and It's against other rulers and demonic forces. And that's our battle. And our challenge is, when we face that problem that we have and we face it with our own strength, it just doesn't, doesn't work out. You need supernatural strength. And Jesus is telling the disciples, you need supernatural strength to do life with God. In fact, verse 20, chapter, excuse me, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, it's our cornerstone verse here at Thorn Creek, says this, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power that works within us. Isn't that so cool of God? God wants to put his Holy Spirit inside of you and it just doesn't stop there because the Holy Spirit is not an it. 
The Holy Spirit is a person. It's part of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a Him. And God wants to put His Holy Spirit inside of you. And then this Holy Spirit just doesn't kick back and eat potato chips and sit in the couch in your heart. The Holy Spirit is active, and He's moving, and He's directing, and He's leading, and He's convicting, and He's comforting. He's doing all of those things, and He's working in and through you. And you see that. You see that. In fact, Jesus talked a lot about the Holy Spirit in the Gospel of John in chapter 14. He said, if you love me, keep my commands. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. An advocate. Someone to come alongside you. This is about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will help you and be with you. God wants his spirit to be inside of you, to help you, and to be with you. Some of you are going through tough times right now. You just have to know that God is with you. His Holy Spirit is working inside of you, and he's with you, so you have nothing to fear. You have nothing to fear. Here he is, verse 17. The Spirit of truth. That's who he is. The Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you. And then Jesus says, and will be in you. Have you ever seen someone without the Spirit and how they live? And have you ever seen someone with the Spirit? Do you know the difference? Do you know the difference? Now keep this in mind, while Jesus is talking to the disciples, they are followers of Christ during this time. They're following him around. They're going to church all the time with Jesus. They're with him. But it's not until Acts that you read that the Holy Spirit fills them. You know what that tells me? Is you can be a follower of Christ and not know the life of the Spirit inside of you. You can call yourself a Christian and not know the adrenaline rush, the spiritual adrenaline rush of the Holy Spirit living inside of you. And that's the heart of Christ. That's the heart of God to put his Holy Spirit inside of you. Verse 26, he says, But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, let me just say, this Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things, and will remind you of everything I have said to you. See, God just knows you have a bad memory. <laughs> the Holy Spirit's going to help you. The Holy Spirit's going to teach you and remind you. And this word advocate, literally in the Greek language, parakletos, means this. One who pleads another cause before a judge, a counsel for defense, legal assistant, an advocate, an helper, one who pleads the cause for another. See, God wants to put his Holy Spirit inside of you. He wants to impregnate you with the Holy Spirit. He wants to put his Holy Spirit inside of you 
so that you will know him. See, when the Holy Spirit is living inside of you, you can feel a peace in the midst of chaos. When the Holy Spirit is living inside of you, you can feel a strength that you've never had, even though you have felt weak before. When the Holy Spirit is put inside of you, you can feel a confidence, even though you have a bunch of questions. You could have, when the Holy Spirit's inside of you, you have an assurance that it's going to be okay, even though everything all over the news says otherwise. When the Holy Spirit is living inside of you, you could walk by faith in this confidence in God because of who's living inside of you, not because of all the unknowns, not because all the questions have been answered, but you're okay with all the unanswered questions. You're okay with this not happening as quickly as you want it to happen. You're okay with this not happening because of who is living inside of you. Reminds me, when you look in the Old Testament, you see phenomenal stories. What was it about King David, young King David, when he was just a shepherd boy? And his dad said, hey, I want you to go and take this food to your brothers. They're, they're in battle, and he shows up and takes, takes a lunchbox of food for all of his brothers. And here's this big old nine-foot-plus giant named Goliath hurling insults, mocking God. And everyone is afraid, and nobody wants to fight Goliath, but Young David, the Spirit of God, quickens his heart. And he looks at that giant, and that giant is four feet, five foot, six feet taller than giant. But he doesn't see that because the Spirit of God is inside of him and compels him, gives him a conviction, and says, I'm going to go, and I'm going to kick that giant's teeth, and I'm going to kick it where the sun does shine, and I'm going to beat him. It was the Spirit of God that compelled David to do that. The Spirit of God got a hold of him. And you see it over and over. You see Moses, when everyone is slaves, and Moses sees a fellow Israelite being beaten, and there's something inside of him, a holy discontent moment, and he says, I'm not going to tolerate that. And the Spirit of God gives him this courage, and he goes, and, 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 and he saves and rescues, and he actually kills the Egyptian. It's the Spirit of God. Samson felt a new strength when everyone else had chariots. Rahab, people are fleeing. There's something in this woman named Rahab who had a reputation. But the Spirit of God quickens her, and she says, I'm going to hide. I'm going to hide God's people. I'm going to take care of them. When everyone else is fearful, she had hope. Mary felt the Spirit of God also. When everyone else saw disgrace, Mary had peace. Mary trusted God. Something happens when the Spirit of God gets a hold of someone. Jesus said, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is, what? Do you remember? Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. There is freedom. The Spirit of God is the most powerful force you will ever know. The most powerful force you will ever know. The Spirit of God took a hold of Peter, and he stood up, and he preached perhaps the greatest message ever in Acts chapter 2, and the church grew. But you have to hear this. The promise, it's not just for you. The promise is for everyone around you and even beyond you. Jesus said this, the last part of Acts chapter 1, verse 8. 
He says, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Jesus makes it really clear. He says, look, check this out. (laughs) You're going to have the Holy Spirit living inside of you, but it doesn't stop there. The Holy Spirit is going to work inside of you, and everyone in your home is going to feel the Holy Spirit. Everyone in your home is going to know the power of the Spirit. Everyone in your home will be impacted by the Spirit in living inside of you. But it gets better. It's not just your home. It's your subdivision. Everyone in your subdivision will be impacted because the Holy Spirit is living inside of you. But it doesn't stop there. Everybody in your zip code will be impacted by this. Everybody in your zip code will know that the Holy Spirit is living inside of you and God's going to work in you and everyone in your area is going to know. But it doesn't stop there. Everyone in the city that you live in will know that the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. Everyone will know that the Spirit of God is living inside of you and everyone in your city will be impacted but it doesn't stop there everyone in your state will know everyone in your state will know they will be blessed because the spirit of god is living in you and you are going to be a witness to your state and it doesn't stop there everyone in your country everyone in the u.s everyone will know that the spirit of god is living inside of you and god will use you but it doesn't stop there it goes all the way to the ends of the earth think about the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is so powerful that he can work in and through you in your home and your subdivision and your city and your state and your country and the whole world. That's the power of the Holy Spirit living inside of you. That's what God wants to do. He wants to put his spirit inside of you to comfort you, to help you, to empower you, and everyone around you and beyond will know about it. Jesus said this in John chapter 7. <laughs> you know, I, I have to say this. Acts 1.8. Acts 1.8. When you read that, it's an outline for the entire book of Acts. Chapters 2 through 7 have to do with Jerusalem. Chapters 8 through 12 is about Judea and Samaria. And chapters 13 through 28 is about the ends of the earth. So Acts 1.8, it's a turning point. It's a life-changing, it's a lynch-like verse that opens the door. And when you look at the rest of Acts, it's all about Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Jesus said this, He who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his innermost being, <laughs> from his innermost being, the old King James Version says, out of his belly, will flow rivers of living water. You hear that? And <clears throat> the Holy Spirit, this is the promise. This is the promise. And God is good on his promises. God wants to put his Holy Spirit 
inside of you. And it's, when it's inside of you, I want to get my Bible and do this here. This is what he wants to do. He wants to put his Holy Spirit inside of you. And while it's living inside of you, it's going to become part of you. And you're going to come to know the promptings of the Spirit. You're going to come to know the voice of the Spirit. You're going to come to know the leading of the Spirit. And the Spirit will check you when you do something wrong. He'll check you when you say something you shouldn't have said. He will lead you to a way of a life of righteousness. And the Holy Spirit will guide you and lead you. And the Holy Spirit is living like a river. And the Holy Spirit will live through you and from your belly, from your innermost being, as you do life, everybody who comes in contact with you will experience the river of the Holy Spirit living inside of you. Everyone who comes in contact with you will experience the river of grace, the river of love, the river of hope, the river, river of righteousness, the, the, the river of peace. And everyone who comes in contact with you will just experience the Spirit of God. They may not be able to put their finger on it. They may not be able to understand why you are the way you are. But you know what's happening. It's the Spirit of God living inside of you. And you can be encouraged even in the time when you should be discouraged. You could be full of hope even in a time of uncertainty because of the Spirit of God living inside of you. Some of you are doing life right now. And you need the strength of God. You need the strength of God. You need, you need supernatural strength. And maybe you're in a season of waiting. Maybe there's some, something that's happened in your life and it's causing some worry and stress. And, and maybe you're just nervous about going to the grocery store. <laughs> maybe that's where you're at right now. I want to encourage you to invite the Holy Spirit inside of your life. First step is this. If you're not a Christian, a follower of Christ, that's step number one. You need to invite Jesus Christ into your home. Let him be Lord of your life. Forgiver of your life. And step number two is, Holy Spirit, fill me. Holy Spirit. I don't want to talk too much about this because next week is Pentecost and I want to talk about life in the Spirit. But I want you to know, today, you can experience the promise. You can experience the promise. You can experience the promise of God. He has a bunch of promises for you that are waiting to be fulfilled. But your first thing is to say, God, I will surrender to you today. God, I will be obedient to you today. God, I'm no longer going to try to change the subject when you talk about something. I'm going to look at whatever you're looking at, God, and I want to give you all of me. All of me. So right where you're at, right where you're at, you can cry out to God. Let me pray with you. God, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your spirit, God. I sense your spirit moving in and through me. Right now, Lord, I want to pray for the, that person who's watching this by, by, by screen, by video here. And if you need to ask Jesus into your heart, would you just say this? Say, Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart. I want to become a Christian right now. Forgive me for my sins. You know every single one of them. And I ask you to forgive me. 
I ask you to be my Savior. Be the Lord of my past, the Lord of my present, and the Lord of my future. And others of you might need to say this. God, put your Holy Spirit inside of me. Jesus, put your Holy Spirit inside of me. I want to experience the promise. I don't have the strength. I don't have the willpower. I need to be encouraged by you. Put your Holy Spirit inside of me. I want to feel your spirit. I want to know your voice. I want to live a holy life. I want to experience this new power. I want, I want to experience the supernatural life. Be with me, God, in this crazy world. And I choose to live for you. In Jesus' name we pray. And the church said, Amen. Each year, thousands of Thorn Creek Church messages are downloaded for free. This ministry is generously supported by Thorn Creek Church members and listeners like you. If you'd like to support this ministry, please consider making a tax-deductible donation by visiting thorncreek.church/give.